0: Hello, welcome to the Wiley Society podcast. I'm Anna Ayler, and this month we're going to listen in on a conversation that took place at the 2017 Wiley Society Executive Seminar in London, where we invited four society executives from four different disciplines to talk about where they are on the issue of data sharing and data accessibility. The archiving of data that's associated with published research, or open data, as it is sometimes called, is a topic that we're hearing more and more about from different members of the research community. From funding bodies who are increasingly requiring access to research data, or the data that results from the projects that they fund, from librarians who are looking for new and better ways to organize and to curate information, and from authors who are often just struggling to make sense of what's expected of them when it comes to the data underlying their papers. According to a survey that Wiley conducted in 2016 on researcher attitudes towards open science, data sharing overall is on the rise, with some variation depending on discipline and geography. 69% of respondents said that they had shared their data, but only 41% shared it formally through some sort of repository. Others shared it through supplementary materials within a journal article or a personal web page, and even more said that they shared their data by request or through attendance at conferences. Many learned societies are asking themselves what their role is in all of this, especially in helping their members and authors navigate data archiving. The answer may be different in different disciplines, but there are also opportunities to work together to solve some common challenges. Take, for example, what's happening in statistics. Professor Peter Diggle, a past president of the Royal Statistical Society, described what data sharing means to his discipline.
1: Because I'm a statistician, data is at the heart of everything that we do. And so as a as a subject area, we've been thinking about issues of data accessibility. I think it's fair to say longer than most. And I can still remember as a young researcher, when you are actually developing a new statistical method, you would actually search hungrily for data, any data, that you could access to test your methods out on. And we've certainly come a long way since then. Um, Modern statistics has got to a point where you cannot simply understand uh, from a sentence in a paper that said we used such and such a method exactly what's been done to the data. So that if you really do want either to check the author's results or more constructively to investigate how different assumptions or different tuning of statistical algorithms would affect those results, you could do it if you had the starting point the user's code. So certainly in my own discipline, I think that that it really is an argument that that intellectually has been completely won and the only obstacles are um, logistic ones. And to me, this is simply the electronic updating of what I take to be the tradition of science publishing centuries ago, where the point of writing a scientific paper with a detailed description of the methods was that at least in principle, another lab reproduce your research.
0: The intellectual argument that Peter references is certainly hard to argue with, especially in a field like statistics. Many other subject disciplines are at a very different stage in their thinking about data in research communication. Take ecology. Catherine Hill is head of publications at the British Ecological Society and she described the process they went through in arriving at their current data sharing policy.
2: I suppose we're probably quite as far along as statistics, but certainly a long way down the road of um, data sharing. So I joined the BES about six years ago, and by that point, I think the conversation around data sharing had probably been going on for a good couple of years, primarily brought up by one of our editors, actually, who felt very strongly about data sharing and kept bringing it to the Board of Trustees pretty much every year, I think, until they got fairly sick of hearing about it. Um, I joined in 2011, and um, shortly after that, we actually agreed to introduce a data sharing policy to the BES's journals. And what we did in twenty eleven was agreed that we would expect data to be available and that's to expect the data Um, to be available that enables people to recreate the results of the paper. So not your entire data set, but enough data that the results could be recreated. Um, I have to say, when we did expect the data to be shared in our policy, um, there was very, very little uptake. So the expecting was not perhaps as forceful as we would have liked. Um, What we also did at the same time though was we agreed to to introduce this expecting policy in 2012 and at the start of 2014 to start mandating it and we made that very clear to our authors right from the start so they knew that this mandate was going to be introduced in 2014. I think that was quite an important step in terms of, um, I I suppose, allowing the community to learn about this and to to grow while we were um, introducing that step. So rather than a sudden you know, overnight you need to archive your data, people were given plenty of warning.
0: Catherine makes a really good point here. Whatever sort of policy you decide to put in place, taking your community along with you throughout the implementation process can be a significant factor in how successful it is. So what do data policies actually look like in practice? Let's listen again to Catherine.
2: Um, from the start of January 2014, and um, the journals all mandated this um, data sharing expectation, and we do enforce that. So in the editorial office, um, every paper that comes in has to have a data accessibility statement, and we do check that the data is available where the authors say they have uh, deposited it. Um, we don't do any further checks than that currently, so the data is not checked for... Um, I suppose we, we don't check in terms of whether the results are reproducible as a result of this data, but we check the data is available and in a suitable repository. The BS also took the decision to financially um, support authors to, to make these deposits in um, Dryad, which is a, a, a subject-based repository um, that we felt at the time and still feel now is the most relevant for the ecological community. Um, we allow people to archive their data anywhere as long as it's um, again it has suitable kind of preservation rights, and we feel it's. Um, uh, it's somewhere that's going to ha- be a, yeah, as, as preservable as, as is in Dryad. But we do encourage people to put it in Dryad. We make that journey very easy for them. So we've integrated with Dryad. say We fund the deposits. So the BS is fairly heavily invested in this. Um, that's been going now for about three years. Um, and I would uh, yeah please say that the, the uptake is significantly higher since we started mandating it. Um, so I definitely think that's something to think about when you're... Um, thinking about introducing your data policies that you can expect all you like or encourage all you like, but until it's mandated, we certainly didn't see a big change in the community.
0: That's how the British Ecological Society is approaching data sharing. In the field of pharmacology, there's a whole set of challenges around data policies. Here's Chris George speaking for the British Pharmacological Society.
3: I'm a senior editor for the British Journal of Pharmacology, which exists to publish new and novel mechanisms of drug action and so some of the things that we battle with as a field is that these are reports that have never been seen before, these are mechanisms that have not been reported before and so you have the the dichotomy of novelty versus reproducibility and the field of pharmacology is absolutely hamstrung by the fact that very few of the actual original research works are reproducible something like 11% of drugs that are successful at the level of preclinical testing are effective in humans so there's this huge attrition in the in the pharmacology sector which largely relates to the reproducibility and the believability of the primary data so the issue for data sharing for a hard fundamental scientific perspective is also the sharing of resources and reagents that you use to create that data set. So, for example, species specificity, where you got the drugs from, how you use them, the behavioural cycles of any animals that's involved in the research. There is an obligation almost to expand on almost every aspect of that scientific protocol. So you go from the the submitted paper, which contains a very two-dimensional concision of the research, to this enormous web of resources and people and and just information that all of the funders will expect you to share. So as a journal, we've discussed the issue of encourage versus anticipate versus expect versus obligation. And really where we are um, pushed, pushed to enact any of those is the fact that we have no technological platform to make all of this information, all of these resources available in a way that our readership and the sort of scientific community would find it to be useful and mineable, And there is no current solution to how we're going to do this, that we know we need to make, say, for example, a neuroscience and a behavioural study where behaviour is influenced over 48 hours. How on earth do you make a video trail for 48 hours at a certain resolution available to everyone? They'll never download it, they'll never find it, they'll never be able to interpret it. So the big question for us as a journal is the shareability of the data, that's easy to do. The usefulness and the utility of the data, currently that's quite impossible.
0: As Chris says, some of the information that could be considered necessary in order to make different types of research reproducible is incredibly complex. As an author, how do you know what's relevant and what's not? And how do you create methods of archiving that can accommodate many, many different types of information? This is the dilemma faced by the Royal Geographic Society, as described by Dr. Catherine Souch, the Society's Head of Research and Higher Education.
4: Geography as a discipline is very diverse in terms of its subject matter and its methodology. So we're transcending sort of the natural sciences through the social sciences, through the humanities. And what that means is that the data that geographers are dealing with, and we publish general geography journals, not subdisciplinary journals, is very varied. Um, geographers are at the leading edge of some of the big data, big analytical data, particularly around geographic information. We're dealing with structured and unstructured data, but geographers are also dealing with archival data. They're dealing with individual uh, interviews, with focus groups. So the data is there in many forms. It's not just numbers, it's text, it's images, it's sound. um, And geographers are interested in the spatial patterns associated with that. So as an organization, we've come to think about questions about data in in, in lots of different ways. It's a topic we talk about at editors' meetings, and about a month ago we convened a a meeting with colleagues from Wiley, and that support was really appreciated, to bring together a small group of researchers, many in the earlier stages of their careers, to think about data, to think about the opportunities and to think about the challenges. There was clearly stuff about knowledge, about responsibilities, understanding. There were questions about data ownership and about licensing. There were lots of questions about existing opportunities. There is no one obvious repository for geographers. We as an organization are not in the position, we don't have the resources to deliver that. There were concerns about fair use, about credit, kind of the ethical questions that get raised. There were also questions about institutional support. Um, Many of those who are applying for research council funding where you have to put something in about your data management policy and plan There was a disconnect between that and what they might be thinking about in terms of publishing. The research process wasn't being thought about in its entirety. But on the counter side, there was very much an appetite for for data. Um, But there were questions about the quality of the data itself, things like version control, things we're used to dealing with in other realms, the absence of standards, the absence of metadata, and particularly issues of discoverability. But I think there's a clear sense of the value of data, and I think there's a clear direction now for us to go about encouraging and supporting our community on that particular journey before we're ready to actually put in place the encouragement requirements mandates.
0: Dr. Souch raises a lot of the questions that other discipline communities and organizations are also grappling with. There are some big differences around what data means to different subject areas and what their guidance is for what to do with it, how to make it available, where to make it available, and how to make it useful. The good news is that more and more societies and publishers are taking the lead in helping their communities figure out the answers to those questions. In our next episode, we'll hear more from Peter, Chris, and our two Catherines about how their societies are going about tackling these issues and the practical decisions they have had to make along the way. I hope you'll join us again next month. Until then, I'm Anna Ehler. Our editorial advisory group includes Alexa Dugan, David Nicholson, Sarah Phibbs, Mark Robertson, and Nielsen Turner. Our theme music for this episode was provided by Jason Shaw and edited by Dennis Velasco. You can listen to other episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about what's happening at Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges, dot slash societies.